Hey, fuckers. I have for you today a little bonus that I'm passing to you from the fort. That's what we call the private Patreon stream of podcasts, which is running weekly and sometimes more than that over at patreon.com slash traumatized motherfuckers. So hope you enjoy this conversation. And if you enjoy the way that I talk about these things, you know where to find hundreds of episodes, kind of like this one. All right, that's it, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. Love you so much. Really appreciate every single listener out there who cares enough to improve their life, their relationships, and their brain. And thank you again for being a part of this project. All right, here's your special bonus episode, and I hope you enjoy learning about some extra Fs that we have to give in relationship. Cheers, y'all. Hey, motherfuckers. Let's jump in and talk about a little mini aside that is heavily related to relationship issues. Now, Though most of us have decided that our field of fucks has gone barren and we have none to give other humans anymore, let's talk about some extra Fs we do have to give in relationship. Maybe not purposely, not consciously, and definitely not for the best relationship dynamic possible. So let's get into it. We all know about the four Fs by now, right? Fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. They're kind of old hat at this point, probably not blowing anyone's mind. And yeah, they describe a lot of our trauma reactions. We thrash against our assailer. We run from them. We recognize they're too large to combat and play dead. Or we try to appease the situation by becoming whoever we have to be in order to calm the person down. But do these reactions describe everything we experience after a triggering, especially an interpersonal one? I say, nay, fuckers. A few years ago, I started mentioning two additional Fs that seemed to pop up especially in traumatized relationships. And now I'm seeing them hitting the memes every once in a while. Seems like maybe I was onto something. So why not go back and hit those points again in a deeper discussion as we continue talking about confronting relationship issues through the literature? So, When we talk about F responses, we are discussing our automatic brain programming that's often contained in the body or lower brain. They're our rudimentary processes for staying alive. The problem is they're applied to relationships and other non-actual life-threatening situations after those have been perceived as painful, destructive, and survival challenging, especially in early life, when they kind of were survival necessary. So, you know, losing your social support, your life structure, and your mental control after a hurtful relationship, interpersonal trauma, or betrayal 
does feel like it'll put you in the grave to this day. There's really no mystery why we end up reacting to our relationship partners as if they are actually wild bears. Humans need other humans to thrive, and when our relationships are not trustworthy, they create massive damages in our mental health and our physical health, our life functionality, and outward success overall. So yeah, our instinctive reactions to keep ourselves protected in relationship, it all tracks from a human biology perspective. Even if it makes no sense from the outside, you've possibly been harsh on yourself for those missteps in the past, and so have others. So, seems like a great time. Let's talk about extra Fs that you might want to be on the lookout for in yourself and in others as you work on forming better relationships. Moving beyond the well-accepted four, what additional self-protective strategies do we engage in in difficult times? Probably completely subconsciously. Well, the fifth F that you might want to know about is fronting. Fronting, in my book, is when we show up. It's when we decide who we're supposed to be in a given situation, possibly automatically, unconsciously, and then we push that identity to the forefront. It's when we puff ourselves up, trying to appear larger than we really are, stronger, more self-assured, it's a defense mechanism as much as it's an offense mechanism. So like a puffer fish, we assess that there's a dangerous situation going down. We feel too small, too incapable, too vulnerable in our normal form. And as a response, we transform ourselves into a bigger fish. We pick a different identity out of the stack and see if that's the correct option to make this problem go away, like water off a fucker's back. In other words, if you're trying to come at me aggressively or too emotionally, too overwhelmingly in one way or another, well, I'm going to inflate the personality traits inside of myself to fend you off. Me personally... I front with my intellectual and aloof face. I'm too smart to be touched by your silly attacks, too unconcerned with the nonsense to let it touch me, too tough to be bothered by yet another yappy cunt muffin nipping at my ankles, and too goddamn busy to give this bait any attention. But is that a genuine representation of my full self? Oh, fuck no. It is just a front, a facade, a face that hopefully pushes other people away and therefore protects me from their worst behaviors. There's a lot more underneath. My full self is highly compassionate, empathetic, and programmed to be a little helper. But all of those things have had negative consequences in similar situations. So instead, let me just be this guy, 
one part of my personality that cuts out all the dangerous attributes that seem weak to me and then forces the other person to change their tune as well. If you don't have to play into the relationship dynamic, especially if you can just shut it right down, then the other party has to change their behaviors. They might escalate at first, but eventually, with enough time and refusing to interact, they will go away to lick their wounds and choose a new tactic. That is the purpose of the fronting reaction, which is one that we often get from our protective parts. So when we say that we come into a relationship fronting with a particular part, that is the egoic identity that we're most comfortable with others seeing at that time in those circumstances. We show up as this human. Maybe it's our most dominant default identity across the board, or maybe it changes depending on the scenario. And when we say there's a conflict that causes us to front with a defensive part, that's the trauma reaction of raising the fur on our hackles in human form. Noting a perceived danger or upset that we don't want to deal with or don't really know how to. And then being whoever and whatever we're supposed to be in the situation to keep the relationship dynamic in line and to save ourselves from the attacks. Trying to keep everything under control and far away from our more vulnerable bits and personal fears. So we might get tough, closed off, smug, condescending, too intellectually reliant for our own damn good, cold, reductive. Did you want to talk about that? Really? Do you seriously want to go there? Because my brain is going to wrap it in logic and toss it aside. I will not be touched emotionally by your silly games. You should just give up now. We also could become violent, aggressive, and threatening when we're fronting. Not actually fighting necessarily, but showing our teeth. Letting them know that we could. Look how strong, smart, funny, and or scary I can be. Did you still want to push at this issue with me? Do you still want to challenge my perception of myself? Do you still want to keep suggesting that I am weak or incapable? We front to project a strong face outwards, to spare what we're hiding and fearing inside. On the other hand, we could turn to things like spiritual bypassing for our fronting behaviors, being too pious, too good, too enlightened, to engage with the junk being put on our plates by our relational partner. Just leave it to Jesus. You should pray about it. Or, I can't let this affect my energy. Are all fronting behaviors. I just leave it up to God. Don't worry about the things that you worry about. AKA, I will not engage with what you are worrying about. You should leave now. These tactics assert that you're holding an identity that can't be touched by the information presented by your comrade, so they best just keep moving with it. 
And it's the same defense mechanism as getting larger and more volatile at the end of the day. It's just pushing away other people's thoughts, feelings, and needs with a chosen identity framework that we feel relatively good about showing to others compared to the other things we could show them. And it's a way to manage the outer experience as a way to manage our own inner experience. So that's fronting. A lot of the shit that our protector parts tend to do. Engaging in the identities that we're most comfortable with to compensate for the situation at hand, the person we're dealing with, and the pieces of us that we're trying to shield on the inside. Then we don't have to fully contend with any of it. No emotional space to spare, so sorry. You're going to have to take this attempt at connection or conflict elsewhere. Check it out, my fuckers. You will see that like 99% of human interactions are just fronting experiences. And that's why they feel so fucking terrible for traumatized motherfuckers who really crave authenticity and interactions that are not based on falsities or control tactics. If you're like me and don't want to bother with other people most of the time, it might be a fronting personality showing up to shut down the riskier option of actually connecting because you're always detecting the fronting behaviors of others, which sets your defenses right off. So question how often others are fronting, but also when you are fronting yourself, showing up with a purposeful identity instead of being your own damn true, full, authentic self, come hell or high water. And consider how this all ties into offering true vulnerability, intimacy, and trust in your relationships. Most likely, there is none to be found if everyone is self-protecting. Can you drop your fronting identities? Can you spot them as they're emerging? Can you learn to notice and truncate that reaction before it outwardly presents? And to figure out what you're really trying to save yourself from? Can you return to being your full, big-ass self instead of puffing up with an egoic presentation? And can you see how it allows others to do the same if you start out with lowering your fronting face first? Go vulnerable when they shut down, disarm them, or leave them alone to come down and disarm themselves. Hmm. Big questions and big experiments to run that none of us really want to answer or engage with, but I would encourage you to nonetheless. So there is your fifth survival F that seems to exist in the relationally traumatized crew and all humans. But here's another one. How often are you not fronting, but actually doing the complete opposite in your relationships? Feigning. So the sixth F that I consider pretty goddamn common in relationship is doing the polar opposite of fronting. 
instead of presenting a stronger, tougher, self-protective face, we show a weak, helpless, wounded one and ask slash manipulate others to protect us for us. Now, if you're up on the covert or vulnerable narcissist conversations that have been taking place increasingly for a few years, you've probably had some experience with seeing this. Vulnerable narcissists operate by making themselves more powerful, using others to create that stability through bafflingly acting as if they have no power, playing the victim to build control indirectly in the relationship, feigning pain, suffering, helplessness, low self-confidence, incapacity, putting the ball in the other person's court and asking them to make some three-pointers on our behalf. Rather than becoming bigger, we become smaller. Rather than showing we're strong and untouched by the other party, we demonstrate that we fully rely on them and kind of hope that they fawn over us, becoming the supportive counterpart to our codependent strategy, dropping whatever complaints or concerns they had because we have much greater ones. And because of them, we deserve a lot of leeway, a lot of help, a lot of unconditional love and extra opportunities. People feign that we are less than instead of better than and ask someone else to play parent since we cannot care for ourselves. Playing on and manipulating the emotions and actions of others so we don't have to manage them on our own. And that's feigning. Can you think of times that people have feigned at you? Perhaps a coworker who could not manage their duties and got you to consistently take on half of their assignments, or a romantic partner or friend who could not be responsible for their own actions, so you needed to carry the whole relationship, or a family member who apparently just can't function in their own life, so it's your job to somehow keep them afloat. No matter how hard you try to help, they're still unable to stand on their own feet. If you ask anything of them, they seem to get even less capable. And eventually they'll blame you for anything that goes wrong because it was your job to keep everyone swimming along. Creating a hypervigilant pattern of codependency where you perpetually care give and they only ever care demand. Do you see any connection between your fawning behaviors and other people's feigning reactions? Can you spot times where you attempted to open a difficult conversation only for it to be turned around and redirected towards the suffering of the other individual, which completely took over everything? Have you ever attempted to resolve a problem only to be told that the problem is unresolvable unless you shoulder the entire burden for them in perpetuity? Has anyone ever feigned their way out of responsibility and put all the weight on your head? I bet you can. Check your most stressful relationships, the ones that leave you drained and deprived. And... 
unfortunately, you know where this is going. A little self-accountability club around here. Can you spot any times in your own life that you have been the feigner? Considered yourself too broken to get by, too emotionally distraught to be right in a relationship. So therefore, all the pressure is on the other party. Felt you were unable to make a single move yourself. So someone had to push your boulder up the hill for you. Or you found someone coming at you with demands or expectations that freaked you out. And you felt yourself dragged backwards in time to a younger identity who felt vulnerable and at risk and unable to do a thing about it. Presenting that face outwards, did you find the other party loosened their demands and tried to help? Sorry, fucker. That means you've been feigning. It also probably means you've been engaging an exile part who genuinely believes that those things were true. The good news is we've all probably done it and not on purpose. Don't judge yourself too harshly for the accidental manipulation. It is a logical, automatic, learned behavior. But do question where it came from. What program is inside of you that still authentically feels as though it can't make a positive difference in the situation that's coming to mind? What part of you isn't recognizing its own power and capability, its autonomy, locus of control, and adultness? What part feels as though it's reliant on others? probably because you never received the support that you needed from the very beginning of your life, and it's created a sense of deprivation ever since. And can you be more mindful of feigning from here on out? Notice when you're doing it, when others are doing it, and empower everyone to recognize their own ability to help them damn selves rather than enabling the helpless routine which never truly helps a single person. Taking a broader perspective, are any of us truly incapable of making a beneficial move? Or is it often easier to lean on those ideas than to strike out and really try? Spoilers, it is. At the same time, my fucker, don't forget the other end of the spectrum that we discussed. Fronting. Don't slip into a fake identity to avoid the perceived busted one you're trying to hide. Don't go all egoic when you feel challenged. Again, it literally never helps anyone or any situation. Don't put on a strong face in accordance with what your family programming taught you for the love of Satan. And don't allow others to do it to you either. When you sense inauthenticity or oversimplified views shutting down your concerns, back out of the conversation until they can come down and put their feet back on the ground. If someone is fronting at you, it suggests that they're fearful and losing their grip on their self, capital S. So check for triggers. What are your fronting and feigning triggers? And hard one, 
What about you can trigger others into the same reactions? Be mindful and you can start to understand the patterns so you can put a halt to the behaviors before anyone is driven into a reductive, self-protective, manipulative program. If you find yourself or anyone else vacillating back and forth between fronting and feigning, consider what parts are actually battling inside. I would guess there's a conflict between exiles and protectors going on. Exiles stating that they're too wounded to function as demanded. Protectors insisting that they're running the show and operating a tight ship with no time for your concerns. Weak, shamed parts and strong, preferred parts bouncing off of each other, seeking safety, Wild shifts in outward behavior taking place all the while. And be sure to be on the lookout for these F-cycle patterns in others too. Hot and cold behaviors, inconsistent sense of self in your partner, oppositional ideas about being the shit, or an absolute piece of shit. Yeah, we're talking about deeply ingrained trauma reactions possibly seen through fronting and feigning back and forths that are contained in parts. My guess is you will feel it when they're showing up with self-protection on the brain and you should listen to your guts. You'll notice it in your body when an inauthentic part presents, whether the other person is playing puffer fish or bait minnow. And from there, you can remove yourself. Give the situation some space. Give the neurons in question a chance to deactivate and decompress. Give room for better perspectives to arise. Ideally, give them a chance to find their big-ass self or to get into therapy and figure out what's really triggering them. And then you can try again from a less confronting or self-protective place to engage in the relationship. So that you're not trapped in a partnership that's just volleying between two people's F reactions rather than the real responses that you both feel good about. Check your Fs. Fight, flee, freeze, fawn, front, and feign. Check how they correspond to parts. And start doing work with those programs that you've coded over the years. Open up more opportunity for vulnerability, intimacy, and trust in your social attempts, my fucker. Rather than trying to create a trauma healing relationship from a bunch of effing trauma instinctive behaviors that I think extend beyond fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. And that's a wrap. For a lot more on relationships in CPTSD, you know. Just use that Patreon search bar, type in relationships, and tap into what we've already said over the years about traumatic dynamics and patterns, including how this all relates to the early experiences we did and didn't receive with our families, creating cyclical abuse patterns, and self-fulfilling prophecies. You know it by now, but you can know it a lot more deeply. Be sure to tune into the upcoming months of this continued relational material as we keep working through creating and rectifying healthy relationships from the trauma brain outwards. 
I'll see you there. I'll see you here. And until then, hail yourself. Hail your well-meaning instincts, but also keep a fucking eye on them. Hail Archie. And that's it. Cheers, y'all. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye. You think it's shoving moments We can't do anything We're fucking jokers We're winning when you blink It's shoving moments